Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I want to talk to you about how we are like King David in many different aspects. In fact, the Bible shows us what the New Testament Christian looks like through the picture and the illustration of King David. And so we can look into the Old Testament and we can actually see God's idea of what the New Testament Christian looks like. But one of the very, uh, one of the very uh, glaring, prominent uh, aspects of King David is the fact that he was a worshiper. And worship is a very key and central element to every Christian walk, to our Christian lives. And so I want to bring that out. And I want us to see that this is, this is God showing us this is, this is what worship is and this is how worship works so that we can carry it with us through our Christianity. And so uh, God shows us uh, King David uh, before he was king. He was just a shepherd boy. There's, there's no lower social st- stature than a shepherd and a shepherd boy at that. But this is very similar to who we are before we meet Christ. We come to the Lord as nothing. We come to the Lord in bondage, in slavery. We come to the Lord under the curse of death. We have nothing. Our spirit man is dead, but we come to God and he makes us alive. So in Galatians, the fourth chapter, very similar to, to, to uh, the situation that David's in, it says this in verse seven. So you are no longer a slave. You're no longer a bondage to sin. You're set free from that. And since you are a son, you're no longer a slave. Since you're a son, God has made you also an heir. Here's King David. He comes out of the, uh, the pasture with the, with the sheep and he's made king sitting on a throne. And it's the picture of you and I, where we come from uh, in obscurity, in, in bondage and in slavery and so forth, to sin and to all of our passions and to sin and so forth and death, to uh, being an heir with Christ on the throne. It's a very powerful picture. It's something that is very difficult for us to grasp intellectually. So with our spirits, we have to understand we are no longer uh, in bondage to sin, but we're now set free, just like David was. So this is a great picture of, uh, of Christianity through David. But David, uh, as the man of faith that he was, we, we see him in the Bible, you know, uh, fighting Goliath, courageous, brave, warrior, soldier. But all of that, the fact that he was a, a psalmist and, and uh, a songwriter and uh, uh, you know, a great uh, temple planner, his, all the plans that he, he laid out for the temple of God. All of that came from his relationship that he had with God. And we see that in this foundation of his life in worship. He had, he had a life, he had a heart of worship. He had a heart after God's own heart. David was a worshiper. So you and I have to understand what that means now. And so we, we first meet David um, after he's anointed by Samuel we don't see David first fighting Goliath. Goliath says, you're just a boy. We don't see David first as just a boy fighting Goliath. Actually, before that happens, Saul, as king, is in his kingdom, and he's tormented, the Bible says, by an evil spirit. We don't know if it was anger or frustration or whatever it was, anxiety, fear, whatever it is Saul had, 
he had this evil spirit that would come on him and he would be so tormented by it that his servant said to him, you need to get somebody who knows how to worship the Lord to bring the spirit of God down on you to release you from this evil spirit. And so Saul says this in uh, 1 Samuel 16, 17. He says, so Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. Bring him to me. And one of his servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the harp. He knows how to play. He's skilled. He's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well. He's a fine looking man. And the Lord is with him. And actually, the most important thing here is that God's with him. But look at all these other things that he is too. He's brave. He's a warrior. He's well-spoken. He's good-looking. He's strong. He's handsome. I mean, there's something that, there's the mark of God on this young man. His his attendance, uh, he's, I don't want to say so famous, but he's noted in the land that his attendants say, there is a guy, a son of Jesse. And these are the things he is. But why he is that, and this is the point I want to make to you, is that David is a worshiper. And out of worship comes bravery. Out of worship comes the warrior. Out of worship comes the skill, the musician, the songs of God, and so forth. And so we have to understand um, what this act of worship is all about. And I I just want to say this, that um, over the past couple of decades, we've maybe slipped away from the theology of worship or even the study of worship, and, and uh, we, we do worship, and we have great worship, but do we understand just how powerful, just how spiritual, just how deep this uh, subject of worship really is? Because it is crucial to you and I as Christians to understand, as we see through this life of David, that this is what makes the man. This is what makes the woman. This is what makes the Christian, is this foundation in your life of worship through which every other blessing flows. I'm going to show you this. Every other blessing of God flows through the person that is open in worship. So what is worship? Worship isn't just singing songs in church. We love to sing. We love to lift our hands. We love to, uh, you know, to engage in songs and so forth. And that, that, that's powerful. But you can sing a lot of songs and not actually worship. Worship is something more than that. I want to give you the definition of what worship is. And worship is an expression of love and gratitude to the Lord. Now, this is thanksgiving and, and, and gratefulness and, and, and um, uh, adoration, all these different things. We, we love and have gratitude to the Lord. It's genuine. It's passionate. Because if it's not genuine, it's religious. If it's not genuine, it's just pretense. It has to be genuine. It has to be from the heart. It has to be really you. Because God is real and you are real, therefore your worship has to be real. It has to be genuine. Genuine and passionate. You know, if you're passionate about anything, you can tell. You can tell. If you're passionate in worship, it's going to be there. There's going to be some passion to it. I'm not... I'm not the person that says, you know, I'm, I'm more of an inward person and I, I just keep my thoughts and my worship toward the Lord just inside. Well, that, then that's not real worship. You see, because if God touches you and heals you and opens your blind eyes, you're leaping and dancing down the street and, and nobody, nobody has to tell you how to do it. There's just passion that starts to come out of you. 
genuine, passionate, and unencumbered. Unencumbered, to me, is, is part of who it is we need to be, especially in church. I mean, you can be unencumbered in your kitchen, worshiping the Lord. You can be unencumbered in your living room, worshiping the Lord. I pray we can be unencumbered in church. But, but this is a very important part of what worship is. Worship has to be a release of my spirit to the Lord. And I can't do it if I'm worried about what everybody else is thinking. That's why it's important, you know, the Bible tells us in worshiping the Lord, clap your hands, lift your hands, shout, dance. Because what God is trying to help us do is shake off of us the things that hold us back from being the real us before the Lord. Like a little child before God, shake off all of the things that encumber you so that you can be you can sing like no one's listening. You can dance like no one's watching. You can worship the Lord like you don't care what anybody else is thinking. And, and um, you know, obviously I'm not saying you go crazy. But what I'm saying is that we have to throw off of us the part of us that is so dignified that we can't really worship the Lord in spirit. And it is a declaration of who God is and what he's done. It's a declaration of who God is. And so when we stand in, in, in church or we, or we begin to worship the Lord, we begin to declare who he is. What's so powerful about corporate worship on Sunday is that we have literally a congregation of kings. Remember I said we're like King David. We are kings. We're heirs to the throne with Christ. We are a, 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 a gathering of kings declaring who he is. He's the king of kings. We're declaring his goodness we're declaring his greatness. We're declaring his deeds, his power, his strength, his love, his compassion. This is what worship is. Worship is to say who God is unencumbered. I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to be and say what God is worthy of. And that's, that's worship. This is the definition of worship. But you can worship in your car unencumbered. You can worship under your breath in the grocery store. You can worship by just simply, again, going back to the whole idea of, of declaration of who God is. You can, you can worship uh, while you're shopping at Walmart. You can worship while you're weeding the garden. And, uh, and you can worship when you talk to people. You know, uh, I, I love uh, sometimes when my wife, she doesn't realize that this is worship, I, I, I don't think, but, uh, but, but it truly is. In, in fact, I think it might be one of the most purest forms of worship. But a lot of times she'll say something to me like, um, you know, God so loves me. God is so good to me. He so loves me. When I was going to the counter at CVS, he, there was this little flashlight on a keychain, and I was looking all over for this, and don't you know, there it was, right up there at the cash register, a keychain with a flashlight on it. And I'm thinking, they, they always have them there. But she doesn't see it like that. She sees it like God loves her so much that, she, that he brought her to that register and that's where the flashlight was and that's the very thing she just needs. Which is so awesome because what she's saying is I'm declaring who God is and I'm declaring what he does in the most minute little areas of life. This is how much God loves me and this is how great God is. I'll tell you, it is worship. You don't have to be standing uh, in church, singing a song with a bunch of instruments to be worshiping, you can be worshiping as you just dialogue with one another. 
But I love the fact that we do come to church. I love the fact that we stand together as kings before the Lord and declare his glory and his goodness. So this is what worship is. Now, I want to say that this might be a little bit deeper than uh, a subject we might talk about if you were just recently saved, if you just recently came to know the Lord a week ago, a month ago. But any more than that, you need to understand, you know, there's something powerful about worship. What is it? I need, we need to look into it. I need to know what it is. And so um, if you are a Christian, you should be a worshiper. If you are a Christian, you should know how to worship. If you're a Christian, your worship should be growing deeper. If you're a Christian, your worship should be getting uh, touched by God. It's not just out of the head. It can't be out of the head. Worship is not out of your head. It's out of your spirit. It's out of your heart. And so I look at it like this. If you're a Christian, you know how to worship. Now, you might be brand new, but you're learning. Like I said, you get touched by God. No one has to tell you. You're thanking the Lord. You're thanking the Lord. You might be a little bit encumbered, and you need to be unencumbered, but, but, but you know God touched you, and you begin to worship. And I was thinking about this. If you were an Italian mother, an Italian mother, an Italian mom, and every week you were going to have the family over to the house, and all of the family was going to come over the house, and you're the Italian mom, and you're going to make an Italian dinner for all the folks to come over your house on Sunday afternoon after church, and they all come over, and you put out the spaghetti, but you're not that good at it, and the spaghetti's not that good. But you're an Italian mom. The spaghetti's not that good. Well, guess what? Week two, you're going to get better at it. In fact, you might even hear, hear uh, some advice from, from the family on how to do it and what to do and what to add and here's what I do and here's what I add and so forth and so on. But a- after two years of the family coming over every Sunday after church to sit down for an Italian meal for the Italian mom to come out there and say, hey, I don't know how to make spaghetti. That's about the same as it would be for you to say, I've been a Christian for two years, but I really don't know that much about worship. I really don't know what it really is. I really don't know how to worship. I really don't know how to go deep. I really don't know how to express myself. I don't know how to dig deep or open up and really let my spirit man minister to the Holy Spirit. You know, it's like, the Italian mom, it's almost natural. It's almost natural. There would be no Italian mom that doesn't know how to make spaghetti for two years. That would never happen. It'd be like there would be no Christian after two years doesn't know how to worship, doesn't know how to really get a hold of God. And, and, And I'll tell you, it's not that you have to be an expert, but you do have to, you can't be clueless. You can't be clueless. Like when I, I come to church, uh, sometimes your week hasn't gone just right, or sometimes your day isn't going that right, or whatever, and, and you begin to lift your hands, you begin to sing out, but I immediately begin to tell myself, get a hold of God here, because I need for my heart to begin to open up. I need for God to be able to speak to me today. I need to be able to touch the Lord. I want to touch the hem of his garment. I need to start to worship the Lord. 
regardless of what's happening on this side or on that side or even on the platform or whatever, I have to worship the Lord because it's crucial for me. I'm like King David. He took me out of obscurity and he's bringing me into the kingdom of God. But in this journey, I'm going to... I'm going to uh, uh, lift up his name. I'm going to declare who he is and what he does. I am going to lift up the name of the Lord. Worship unlocks the spirit man. The amazing thing about worship is there's a two-way street here. As I worship God, my spirit unlocks. As I worship God, my spirit opens up. As I begin to... uh, bring out of me my love, my adoration, my declaration of who God is, all of a sudden there is a flow from my spirit to God's spirit. In fact, the Holy Spirit begins to flow through me. And there starts to become this reciprocating dialogue between me and God and the Holy Spirit in God. God begins to speak through me. God begins to worship through me. These aren't just songs. These aren't just words somebody else wrote. This is my heart. This is what I believe. This is what I'm saying. These words are coming from me, God. This is my worship to you. And the Holy Spirit begins to get involved in that process. And the next thing you know, your spirit man becomes unlocked. And this is very important. That's why in church... Worship is such a crucial part of what it is we do as a church because it it doesn't matter if you hear a thousand sermons in your head. Nothing will change. It has to happen in your heart. Your spirit man has to unlock and then that word goes deep down and God begins to change things. God begins to bring deliverance. God begins to bring uh, 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 a revelation, a truth, something that all of a sudden now it unlocks in your heart and in your in your uh, knower, and things change. The spirit man begins to open up. You know, you you think of that verse in uh, Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. And I would say that about sermons. Unless the Lord speaks a word, those that speak can speak a a thousand words, but they speak in vain. They speak in vain. Unless the Lord speaks a word, and, and I cannot hear the word of God in my spirit if my spirit is not opened up. Worship opens up my spirit. In John uh, chapter 4, verse 24, God is talking to the uh, woman at the well, and he says, God is spirit, and, it, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. What's so awesome about this encounter between Christ and this woman is he's telling her this very truth that I'm explaining to you. He's saying, dip into your natural well and pull up a natural cup of water and pour it out to me and I will pour into you an eternal river of, of, of life, a living water. I, I will pour into you. See, God knows that, that worship is a spiritual act and if it's going to be real, it has to be from your spirit. Those that are going to worship God must worship in spirit. Must worship in spirit. If you worship in spirit, you're going to pour out to the Lord. But God's going to pour into you. 
See, I think God wants us to know there's something crucial about worship that you must do even for your own good. Worship is not just one way. God, here's what I think. Here's who you are. Here's what I think. You're so awesome. Here's what I say. It's not in, in, just in one direction. Because actually, I'm, I'm, I'm saying one thing with my, with my spirit, but God begins to pour into me what God wants to get done in me. Now that my spirit is unlocked, now God starts to say, okay, here's where I'm going to begin to pour into you. And this is where we see King David was such a, uh, a powerful man because I believe he was a worshiper. He didn't go up against Goliath just as an ordinary man. He went up against Goliath. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and power. He was filled with faith. He was filled with hope. He was filled with strategy. He was filled with quick, quick reflexes. <laughs> you know, he was filled with strength. Goliath didn't have a chance because David was filled with the Spirit of the Lord. As I open up and unlock and, and, and worship the Lord, I get filled with the Spirit. And so I want to give you these, these five areas. I'm going to put together these, these word groupings. I want to give you these five areas, things that happen when you open up in the Spirit in worship, God begins to fill you with. And the first one is boldness, passion, and strength. Boldness, passion, and strength. When you open up in worship, God begins to pour into you the life of, of the Holy Spirit. God begins to pour into you his strength. You're not weary. You're not tired. You're not weak. You're bold. You're strong. You have passion. Your eyes are open. David was a fine-looking young man. God has a touch on you that brings boldness into your spirit, passion into your passion for life. You're not lazy. You're not hoping the whole thing just, you know, I just, well, I just want to click this thing and get it over with. Just click, just get me out of here. Just can't wait till I retire. Can't wait for Friday. Can't wait for the end. Can't wait for summer. Can't wait for Christmas. God, God, wants, God wants you to be passionate about life, bold, and this is what happens when the Spirit of God comes into you. You have a good countenance. You have a good spirit. You have a good attitude. You're healthy. Your bones are strong. Your bones are healthy. Boldness, passion, and strength. The next one is faith, confidence, and hope. No fear, worry, anxiety, all the different, you know, fretting. Second Timothy, this verse here says, um, for God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love and a sound mind, but a spirit of power. We don't have fear on us if we have God in us. We have power in us, the power of the Holy Spirit. So God wants us to have a faith, a confidence, a hope. I'm not going to lose faith. In fact, I'm going to declare who God is. The more I declare who God is, the more my faith is built. The more I declare what he's done, the more my hope is built. And so I become, I become, I become infused with the living water as I'm pouring out my water. As I'm pouring out my water of worship, God is filling me with this water of, of life. And then the next one is freedom, healing, and victory. I, I think this is so important that, uh, to understand that, that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's freedom. There's healing. I don't walk in defeat. I walk in victory. 
You know, there are things that try to, try to uh, bring me into bondage. But, you know, as I worship God, he sets me free from the bondage. He releases me from these things that are trying to tangle me and, 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 and stop me and, and, and break me down. There's, there's, there's freedom, healing, and victory in the Lord. And so I pray that as you worship God, as you worship God, you have a sense of victory in your life. I'm a conqueror. I'm worshiping God like David. There, there are Goliaths, but I'm David. There are things that are going to try to defeat me, but I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I've got, I've got some freedom. I've got healing in my emotions, healing in my mind, healing from my past. I, 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 I'm not encumbered with all these different things because the Holy Spirit sets me free. You know, you can go to a, a, a thousand counseling sessions and God can touch you with one word. God can set you free with one word, the, the, a deposit of the Holy Spirit. This verse here in First uh, Samuel where David was fighting Goliath that says this in chapter 7, verse 17, uh, 47. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear. Now this is worship. Again, David is declaring what God does. This is worship. And he's telling it to all the Israelites and all the Philistines. And mainly to, to even to his enemy, which is such a, cool, such a cool picture here. That David announces to Goliath that this is who God is. It's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. God's with me. I don't have to, I don't have to fight the way you fight. God is with me. I don't have to be afraid of the weapons that you have. God is with me. My weapons are not carnal. What's so amazing about that fight is that David actually cuts off Goliath's head with Goliath's own sword. We don't have time to get into it, but so powerful that the weapon that was going to be used against you is now turned around. You use it and you have it. David says he put it in his tent and for the rest of his his. Uh, uh, his kingdom, he had Goliath's sword in his tent. It's, it's almost like this is a victory that I'll never forget, that this is how God works. This is how God works. So freedom, healing, and victory. And then joy, peace, and contentment. As I worship the Lord, so I think a lot of times people don't have joy because they, they don't worship You've got, you've got some sadness or some loneliness. You've got depression. You've got things that are trying to get on you. It's like, it's like barnacles that collect at the bottom of a ship. You've got this stuff that's trying to collect on you and drag you down. But you need to begin to worship to set yourself free. Joy, peace, contentment. You know, um, I was thinking about this. What if you won the lottery? You didn't even enter, but you won the lottery. Three million dollars. Three million dollars, or 300 million, let's change it. 300 million dollars, you won the lottery. You didn't even enter, but somehow they drew your name. And they call you up and they tell you, okay, here's what you got to do. You got to go downtown to, and you got to go to 7-Eleven down there. You got to bring your ID and um, the, the, how about just your ID? But you got to get there on time, sometime tomorrow. And you start to complain. i got to go where? i gotta, I got to bring my ID. i got to go to 7-Eleven. 
I got, I got to get a car and get in a car. and I got to, You're forgetting the fact that you got $300 million. See, to me, I think that people neglect so great a salvation. Listen, you are saved. As you begin to worship the Lord, God lets it dawn on you that you are an eternal being now. You're like King David. You are an heir to the throne. You, you, you have more than $300 million. How can you not have the joy of the Lord on you? How can you not have contentment on you? How can you not have the, 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 the peace and the, and the uh, happiness uh, uh, that, that God wants you to have in your life? No, no, I'll tell you, as I worship the Lord, I, I become joyful. In the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. And then finally, I want to finish with this one. Love, compassion, and forgiveness. I might not have everything I need to uh, operate in my Christianity, but God does. See, I might not have the love that I need to forgive, but God does. And so as I unlock my spirit, as I worship the Lord, now God comes on me. You wonder, you wonder how people can get the spirit of God on them. They get, they get the spirit of the Lord on them, and they begin to love like they've never loved before. I, I, I forgive like I've never forgiven before. I, 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 I have compassion on people, people that are broken, people that are hurting, people that are blind and, 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 and don't know which end is up and they're all screwed up and they're confused. I have compassion on them. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord starts to get in you. See, I, I can tell when people are cranky and stingy and critical and judgmental, they're not worshiping. They're not worshiping. Because when the Spirit of God comes into your spirit, love comes in, compassion comes in, the grace of God comes in. You see people through the eyes of God. All of a sudden, it's not you in your natural flesh, but it's God showing you. People have difficult times. People are hurt. They're broken. They're bruised. Have eyes of compassion. This comes on us because as we open up our spirits and worship the Lord, God comes on us. All of a sudden now, I have the spirit of unity on me. I have a spirit of love on me. I have a spirit of compassion on me. I, I can see you through the eyes of God. I don't see you as a person that's uh, faulty and, and, and flawed. I see you as God sees you, as a child of God. And, and I, and I want to love you and I want to have grace for you. Love, compassion, and forgiveness. We need to worship like David. We need to worship like David. Be abandoned in worship. Press into worship. Understand the, the depths of worship. It doesn't take two years for you to begin to push into what worship really is. It only takes a heart to say, you know, I believe that David is a picture in the Old Testament of what we are in the New Testament. We're worshipers. You know that David uh, set aside 288 skilled musicians to oversee the worship in David's tabernacle. David's tabernacle was not like Moses' tabernacle. Moses' tabernacle was very uh, strict, very uh, ordered, very... Um, um, a lot of liturgy and so forth had to be done a certain way. David's tabernacle had musicians, thousands of them, overseen by these 288 skilled musicians. They had singers and, and people that would blow the trumpets, people that would shout and praise throughout the day and throughout the night. Uh, 
David had people that would uh, nonstop be worshiping and praising the Lord in the tent where David brought the uh, ark of God's presence. And he says, I'm going to set aside all these musicians and we're going we're to glorify God. So they had singers and psalmists and, 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 and musicians and loud cymbals. And, and it, was, it, was a, it was a celebration of who God was. I pray that we can go deeper, push deeper into who it is we are as worshipers before the Lord. And I pray that as we do, our spirits unlock and God begins to pour into us who it is we really are supposed to be. Kings and priests before the Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.